Stay fly. Stay fly. Flame up with Queen Phoenix. Flame up with Queen Phoenix. So we need to really create more safer spaces for women. And then the last thing I say is, um, brothers, we need to have more dialogue about this. You know what I'm saying? Because we're the ones, like like King Phoenix said earlier, we're the ones assaulting our women. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I want to say this too because I think a lot of times it comes from a, a knowledge of your self-respect. That trauma is passed down through me. You're listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. They call that card. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Ernie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Vonner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. Flame up with Queen Phoenix. Flame up with Queen Phoenix. Yes, our whole mission is focused on helping individuals through their storm, uh, helping them through the whole process. So we're definitely um, on the move with the Phoenix Rise movement and then with this podcast, Flame Up with Queen Phoenix. And this is where you can actually have the real deep conversations where we can just have some real talk. And we're having today, we're going to have some awesome people on the line with us where we're going to be having some real talk and helping individuals through that process. Helping them first, you got to be able to understand the abuser in order for you to now reach in and build your strength. Because I feel like if you understand why someone is doing something, then that will help you realize that, hey, what they're doing does not overpower the strength that you have inside. And a lot of the victims that end up staying as long as they do is because they don't realize the strength that they have and they don't realize that the person that they're fear of is really have insecurities of their own and really weak. So this is some things that we're going to be talking about, hopefully give you some understanding today. And we're going to have a real open chat or some real chat, real talk about that. I'm going to see if I could get them up on the screen here. Johnny Blades. <laughs> but I wanted to, uh, both Dan and Seiko just to talk about your backgrounds and why this is even something important to you. So Dan, you first. Um, number one, I, I do um, self ID as a black male feminist. So um, and all the feminism that I learned came from black women. Um, so we have to talk about domestic violence, of course, and intimate partner violence. If we talk about black liberation, we also have to talk about how how we deal with the black women in our community. Um, and also, I am a victim of domestic violence. I watched my mother get abused. So um, that you know that makes me a victim of domestic violence. So. That's something that's important that I also want to talk about. And I work with a lot of young people between the ages of 16 and 24, and they deal with a lot of issues of intimate partner violence, or what we call IPV. Um, and that's something that I, I try to help them with, along, or help them along with. So that's very important as well. That's awesome. Awesome. And then we have also Mr. Seiko. Seiko, can you tell us a little bit about your background and why this is important to you? Well, We've had a show called The Fly Guys for a minute now, a few years, and that show has always been focused on solutions that are facing our community. Well, one of the things that kept coming up was intimate, intimate partner violence and domestic violence as long-standing problems in our community. But the piece that really got me is I had a conversation with my mom. And, you know, when my father was alive, he used to say something happened to your mom when she was young that really changed her the rest of her life. Sometimes she would have some 
she would just spaz out and I just couldn't understand it. And, you know, one day she sat down and shared with me how on the day that she was graduating from high school, she and her friends went to a party and an ex-boyfriend that everyone told her was crazy flipped on her and beat her to the point where she was unconscious. And she was out of it really for about two or three days. Um, And it gave me some understanding on some of the challenges that my mom's face and how some of that um, that trauma has passed down through me. And I decided I was going to find a way to stop it in other families. Gotcha. Let's talk about this, man. Um, You know, racism, uh, domestic violence, and then racism. And one of the things that um, the you, Dr. Venus, Thanks. Venus, and she had a uh, very enlightening uh, podcast that talked about how well white supremacy and also Blackness. black male masculinity. male masculinity. Thank you. And how those things could intertwine, and how those things now it's kind of like in uh, almost a DNA. It's almost a something that passed along. We all know domestic violence is a problem, right? We all know that's there. How can you, in, in your opinion, how is it connected with racism in, in, in what way? Um, if you have any, uh, we could refer back to that 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 uh, podcast. But in, in just in your thoughts, um, how is racism and domestic violence connected? Um, the, the term the term that I use, um, and, and shout out to Dr. Bell Hooks, because I got this term from her. Um, white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. So I, instead of using racism, I say white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. So there's we have to deal with white, you know, white supremacy. You have white supremacy, and then capitalism and patriarchy are both arms of that white supremacy, and you know, racism as well. So black women have to deal with not just white supremacy; they also have to deal with the patriarchy. So part of part of what makes white supremacy so strong is that there's a hierarchy, right? You have white men at the top. You have white white women below that, then you have black men, and you have black women. Then we talk about indigenous people, we go down the line. So there's a hierarchy that we buttress by maintaining certain levels, right? So white men, of course, they have white supremacy and patriarchy. White women have white supremacy, um, and then black men have patriarchy. And it all talks about privilege and all of those things. We also know that, um, and Joy DeGroote talks about it in her book, Post-Traumatic Slave Disorder. Um, she talks about how um, when they first brought African men here to this country to do all the labor, they only brought a few African women with them. They use those African women as domestics, right? So, you know, maids, uh, milkmaids for the babies and stuff like that. But then they realized because we have what was called chattel slavery here in the United States, meaning that the black people that they brought over here were property. They had no rights. They had to figure out a way to make get a, a bigger value. So that's why they started bringing in more and more African women because they saw African women as a way to breed more slaves. So black women is always seen as property, always, as, as well as black men. But a black woman's value was only seen in how many babies she can produce. So a lot of that, what we've learned from white men was that women were, black women were property. So a lot of it extends over to our relationships because our relationships are really in white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. It's really about power dynamics, right? Who has more power over the other person? And we see that play out in our day-to-day relationships, not just with our partners, but also our children as well. And we see that also happen in the workplace. So I know a lot of people will say, oh, it's a far stretch. Um, And I know I'm using a lot of scientific terms. It's a far stretch, but everything that we see in our broader society plays out in our homes. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so Queen, you was talking about this. We was kind of like looking at the the information here and what we what we got. And and can, can you see how the racist or the the system that we're in put a pressure on upon different groups that caused that? Because actually, it's amazing. We was listening to this. Um, it, 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 you know, we're gonna bring this up in another time. But we was listening to the podcast with our daughter. And she had a very, very um, different. Uh, she she had a very very uh, uh, aggressive reaction to it. <laughs> gonna put it that way. Uh, we gonna come back to that. But let let me ask you about the, what you think, what you heard, and how you felt yeah, that combined. As I was listening to it, and from what I've seen um, in history, especially when it comes down to women, that women in general, whether you're white or black or from any other culture, it just seemed like women has always been known as that property. Even when it comes down to marriage, we couldn't choose who we wanted to marry. It was always who had the the, the power to bring it. Oh, I'm going to offer my daughter. And it's always based on her looks, whoever is the prettiest and everything like that carries the higher value. So it, I always feel like that women really never had a voice. We were always someone's property. We were always that um, another person's identity or what they portrayed is beautiful. What they portray has higher value to it. And I can see that even now in relationships. And it's like, even if a woman does try to step up to try to bring up her value or her worth, we can see the intimidation that comes across in the men. Like, no, I'm supposed to be superior and you're supposed to be here. But they don't see that actually men and women were made equal. When, when we were created and it's things that women and men both can bring to the table that if we really learn how to work together we could really actually advance faster because one plus one is not two if you actually take two people and bring them together with their strength and their gift believe me that couple or, and that family could literally be unstoppable when you put the right people together working together and they can see that but most of the time it's not. It's always the woman being pushed down, dim your light, don't speak too much, and then let the men take the higher role. Okay. So those are some things that's happening. Seiko with what with this and um as this is hearing it and you not you being male. Actually I one of the things I wanna say about this, we're talking about domestic violence right now in, in a sense and we have men on the screen, which actually I think it's a great thing because normally, guess who's not normally in the conversation about domestic violence? Men. And, and either we're normally the person who's doing the violence, right? And and people talking about men. And obviously everyone here is not uh, someone who's portraying and doing those violent acts. But being a person who, who who's not that, never, you personally wasn't in there, but you saw your mom tra- traumatized from that. How do you feel about you know, just that historical process that it got it, it got pushed down to your to your mom, and it's hearing how this can be even like go back deeper than just what she experienced. How how you how you hearing that? Well, you know what, I, we all kind of got to this conversation after listening to a Dr. Venus's podcast, and it was called White Supremacy, Black Masculinity, and Domestic Violence. And let me just read a little excerpt from it. Um, She says that to fully 
heal and move forward, you must understand that domestic violence as it pertains to black masculinity is a reenactment of white supremacy. In her position, domestic violence as it implies in the black community with men perpetrating violence upon women is a reenactment of white supremacy. Her whole conversation was that because of the way that the uh, the Africans were treated when the men were helpless to defend their families, defend themselves. They saw power as the ability to inflict harm upon somebody else. And in times of stress, you kind of go to what you be, you know become indoctrinated with. In times of stress, you go to the things that become habits or things you've always seen. You know, every time you do something, it's, it's based kind of on modeling. So these are things you've seen over and over and over. And her position is that the violence we see in our community is a reenactment of the violence that was perpetrated upon us. And those are some of the things that really was drawn out to me also. Dan, some people would say, you know, is that is that true? Is it just that so men or let's just say men violence on women, that's just men violent violence on women and don't have anything to do with that historical narrative. What that that is just something that that person is is, is acting on. How, how would you respond to that versus hearing that? And I know you had some thoughts it, on that. It, it's funny because I remember the first time I heard that. I heard that it was it was in the nineties. Um, and and so, someone in our organization uh, was accused of domestic violence, and they actually ended up going to court. He ended up going to jail. And I remember we were, you know, the brothers were sitting down. We were having a discussion, and somebody brought that up. Somebody said, you know, it stands for racism. And I remember back then, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, being a victim of domestic violence, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And mm-hmm. and and a lot of times, what we hear is we're not. And and just just to let everybody in the audience know. We're not trying to justify domestic violence and intimate partner violence Absolutely. at all. We're not trying to justify it. We just want to get to the root of it and work from there and get a better understanding of, of why it happens. So at that time, I wasn't ready for that information. But as I studied more and I talked to more and more people, they were like, yeah, this is this is where it comes from. And, and, and again, it gave me a better understanding and it helped me deal with my trauma. And I think that's what Seiko was getting to, right? That generational trauma that we have that's passed down for each generation. And oftentimes when I see men my age or men younger than me, when they cause violence against their partner, it's usually we find out there's something they saw their father do or their uncle do, um, or they knew someone in their family they, and they witnessed that trauma. And I think that's the key word we have to talk about is trauma and that generational trauma. And you know what, that's um, something that with this is that some people would say though that, um, you saw something violent, something violence happen, and you did not choose to do it. Like you have the opposite. You know, you saw your father was a alcoholic, and you did the that. You never touched alcohol. You so you saw your, you know, uh, that that but violence. One but how, one how of would the you things find? that I do see is even if you choose not to do that, you find yourself in a relationship with someone who does that because observation um, growing up and you're observing this observation you correlate a lot of that stuff with love so even in my situation being a a person who saw my mother 
uh, go through domestic violence. You would have thought that I would know how to avoid it, but not because actually seeing that and then seeing how they came back together and seeing how they worked things out together and eventually they separated you start correlating that when you're younger as, oh, well, that's what love is. That's what a relationship is. You know, some people might see, hey, my parents never went physical, but me, my parents arguing or yelling or raising their voice, that's how a relationship's supposed to be. So just because I raise my voice doesn't mean that, hey, we need to separate that. Just So it's all about what you see growing up and what you correlate. It's not what your parents say is what they do. People learn from observation. So that's how kids learn what a relationship's supposed to be. What love is about is how they're being treated, what they see their father do to them, what they see their father and mother and how their relationship goes. This is what they're learning is what life is and what love is. So a lot of people take hitting someone and then going back saying, I'm sorry, is a form of love. Hey, that's my way of showing her I love her. That's my way of showing her that, I, that hey, you mean the world to me because I get upset when I feel like that we're going to break up or separate and I'm trying to stop you or hold on to that. And so that's just their correlation. And then the only way they know how to express their inner thoughts is those the way they saw it. Exactly. I, I, so it's time to flame up with Queen Phoenix. All right. So with that being said, uh, Queen, I know you had some some things you wrote down from that event that I want you to bring up some of those questions. And as we keep that well one of the questions that I had since we do have men on this platform one of the things that she was saying is that uh, a lot of this stem on how men review uh, relationships or review the base of the relationship is off of respect so I just kind of wanted to see does all the men agree with that that it's all about respect and if um, respect is, is lost or if something is happening you feel like the way to get your respect back is through violence well, you know, one of the things I think was that I was going to look at that respect issue um, and what does respect and one of the things she was talking about, what respect mean in the in the object of male supremacy, I mean, white supremacy and then, then having that again with male superiority that, hey, if you're not doing what I'm saying, you're being disrespectful mm -hmm. that, that that makes sense so yep. we have to have the right definition of respect because I don't look at it that way uh, 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 you know per se right but you, you're you're um but if that's your definition of what you mean um that's what respect is if you're not doing what I'm saying and therefore if you're you're doing anything that is against my wishes and maybe you're even supposed to know my wishes even if I don't say it then obedience is like the key which which is another thing so if you're not obedient then therefore I need to address that and now if you go back to no now that's the that's the male part uh, male supremacy part to me the racism part is the beating that you get uh, to me uh, that is taught it's like it's like a, hey what you would do to solve this problem I was just gonna say that um what I've learned just, just across the board, because again, we're talking about, you know, like the greater society, when we talk about respect, um, a lot of times when we feel disrespected, we return with violence. And a lot of us feel that if that happens, just, in, just if I'm walking down the street and you 
and you like jump in front of me and step on my foot. I'm like, oh wow, you disrespected me. We think that it's okay for me to react violently, right? Whether I threaten you, whether I put my hands on you. And and then what'll ha- what I notice is that everybody else will agree. They'll say, yeah, King Phoenix did disrespect you, right? And and everybody be like, yeah, you should have smacked him in the face, right? We we see that play out everywhere in the movies, at the school playground, at the barbershop, at the club, where, you know, at, at, at Walmart, you know, like, you know, people will disrespect customer service people, they'll disrespect, you know, somebody walking down the street. We see it happen consistently. So I agree, we do have to really define what respect is. But also, does everything constitute me to react violently, right? Do I have to threaten you? If you stepped in my foot, should I threaten you? If you, if you like bumped into me, should I be threatening you? Should, shouldn't I just say, Hey, you know, my bad. Or you say you, my bad. Okay, cool. All up. And we keep it moving. But for some reason, especially when it comes to manhood, right? We want to consistently, um, somehow uphold my manhood by me being bigger than you, me getting in your face. So I see that happen across the board. And I know it's easier said than done. I really, you know, like, I really know it's easy for me to say, hey, let me just walk. It's easy for me to say, let me walk away than for me to actually do it. Um, and then it'll happen in the house, right? Like, sometimes my partner might say something out of pocket. And my automatic reaction is to say something else out of pocket. But really, a lot of times, it's it's not justifiable for me to do that or say that. You know, maybe I could take them to the side and say, hey, you know, earlier... You said something to me that kind of hurt me and maybe we should discuss it. Again, easier said than done, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because what, as a parent, what I will say is that oftentimes we weren't raised with the tools to deal with conflict negotiation or conflict Absolutely. resolution. And I know that sounds yeah. like a lot, but um, one reason why I stopped beating my children was because I said, I'm not giving them the tools to learn how to, how to navigate conflict and how to resolve problems, you know, ethically and safely. Right, and 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 that's a that's a big that's a big part because I was thinking that when you were saying that do, do kids and I, I don't know this answer but do kids naturally go to pushing each other or I'm, I'm almost thinking like some of these things that people doing is a little childish if that mm-hmm. makes sense it was like yes. they never got the more adult way of doing some of these things so they're keeping in their childish methods and childish uh, actions um, but we have go to another quick break on our podcast we're going um, hey we're back here with it's time to flame up with Queen Phoenix yes and we are pretty excited about this talk um, and we're going to be going back into another uh, half hour talk about this so I want everyone to stay tuned pop themselves in uh, tell other people about this and we, we're pretty excited about topic so um, just stay tuned and we'll be right back now, for those that's still here, we just want to really kind of think right quick. Because um, one of the things that Dan just brought up is even kids. You know, kids learn through what parents do to them. And of course, we look at, hey, if you act in disobedient, you deserve to be punished. And most of the time, the punish is, is that spanking or that whooping or something like that. So it's always a violent act that we're showing kids even though we're trying to tell them it's a better way to handle a situation, but the way we're handling it as adults is through a violent act. So, uh, King, give me your feedback on that. How do how can we correlate or even prevent things like this from future happen if we say, hey, we got to spank the kids to keep them in line. If not, they'll run ragged. But now we're also saying that that violence is what 
is what's hurting them for the future. You know, that's a very, very uh, topic, uh, especially in black America. I'm going to just be real. All right. Because let's be real. We all see other culture kids that run and run around completely disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, you, you, man. you know, man. Yeah, you know, I remember, I remember I had, okay, I'm going to give me a story. I'm going to put myself out there. So I'm in Blockbuster. Let me tell you how far about long ago was this, right? <laughs> Blockbuster, right? So this is still things called VHS tapes. I think it still had VHS tapes at the time, right? So I'm in line with, uh, I have my sons. I have three boys, and we are in line beginning to take. And um, a, a Caucasian uh, uh, mom was in front of us, and her son was just whooping her butt. I mean, wow. I mean, literally. <laughs> I turned around. That I turned around and I bleeped my kids. I said, "Don't you ever think about hitting me like you see over? <laughs> Don't you? Never even your mama." Right, I said that to my kids. They never did that. So I'm saying, right? not only that, uh, but I had, I had a, I had a um, uh, for for myself uh, a big thing for my kids that hey, you don't disrespect women, right? You, you don't disrespect women. So again, my 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 kids are very my boys. I I, I love them. They're. Um, very overly respectful of women I, I, and they make sure of doing little things from opening doors to you know all those things that to show that hey I'm I'm looking you know I respect you right again that respect word right so I I don't know I, I think um I don't I think there's a place I don't think I necessarily had to spank my kids for the other person being their mama but <laughs> I think it is a place that you know there's things to to keep people in line uh, or to for you teaching your kids, but there is a many of the things that we don't have to spank. And I think in our in our culture, we hit our children too much. Um, I've seen that happen. Um, uh, it's just, I mean, the young man. I mean, I mean, yeah, you could do one pop, but they're like going to town. I'm like, what are you doing? Treating them like a again going back to slavery, treating them like a slave. Why are you doing that? Uh, and. I think that is a part. So I think it's uh, something that we have to gab, uh, grapple with if the African-American culture not always going to be in. And you don't have to go all the way to the left too and never doing anything. But um, there is something in between where it can work. If I could, if I could jump in. Um, yeah. Um, one of the, a book that changed the way I parent and a book that changed the way that I teach is Salvation by Dr. Bell Hooks. And she talks about how spanking actually comes from slavery, right? And what happened was we beat our kids because we were afraid that if they acted up, that the slave master would kill them, that the slave catcher would kill them, that the police would kill them. So we, we did that. I know it came from a place of love. We were, we were afraid for them, right? Not, I'm not justifying it. Uh, it came from a place of love because we were afraid that if they were out of line, you know, that a white person would kill them for that. Because, you know, white white people were killing us for no reason. So we just felt that that was a better idea. So she talks about it in that book. And, and I'm going back to what Queen Phoenix was saying. Uh, we have to, as a parent, we have to lead by example. Um, I can't really tell my child 
you know, when you go to school, you know, try to, you know, navigate conflict and negotiate conflict and try to use your words and try to figure out what's going on. If the first thing I'm doing is when they do something wrong, I pop them. You know, I have to learn how to teach them. Like, hey, this is wrong and this is why it's wrong. And, you know, yeah, you're going to I'm going to discipline you. But this is how I'm going to discipline you. You know, maybe you do the dishes for a week. Maybe you don't. I take away your phone for a week. Like we have to think, you know, because there's consequences to breaking rules. And, and, and we have to figure out different ways of doing that. Because if I show up for work late, my boss isn't going to spank me. All right. You know, if I go to class late, my professor's not going to spank me. Right. They're going to say, you know, they, they probably ask me, why are you late? Don't do it again. And then, you know, catch up on your work or, you know, you might have to stay later to, you know, to, to work a little bit longer because you were late. So we have to kind of like use those same tools of teaching what those consequences are. And, and I'm going to say this when talking to my students about domestic violence and intimate partner violence, oftentimes they will say that, oh, yo, you know, yeah, he did hit me or I did hit her, but this is why. And they try to justify that violence through that, through that right. act. And yeah. I always say, you know, and, and it goes right back to, you know, how we deal with our children, how we deal with when you step on my foot. Like it all goes back to that because a lot of us feel that sometimes that those actions are justified when we know that they're not. Okay. So do y'all think a way to prevent domestic violence is to address when siblings have altercations? Because we see it a lot in siblings where a brother is hitting sister and they could just be playing but they're they're wrestling they're they're fighting they're hitting each other they're pulling on each other so in those instances how would you address that in the home to now make sure that one because when the female is growing up in a house full of guys and she's used to being hit on or pushed around and everything she honestly thinks that's the norm so when she gets into that relationship and the, the boyfriend is doing that or the husband eventually doing that she's not looking at it as it's harmful until it gets to the point that she feels threatened so how do we address that in the home to even one prevent the boys from doing it but also preventing the boys from thinking it's okay for a woman to do it to them because I see that a lot if a boy yes. is growing up with a single mom and the mom is constantly beating on him that he has a cycle where he allows a woman to constantly beat on him where when he gets older he's in a domestic violence situation where the woman is beating on the man and he's trying his best not to put hands on but she's still coming at him and vice versa where you see it with the woman so what are some things that y'all say that we can do to address these things even when they're young to make sure it doesn't continue on in adulthood part of part of respect um is also consent right um, so it's like consent. Like, so, so I think when I teach consent, I, I, I try to teach it from every level, even before we get to the violence. Right. Um, and one thing I say is that I have agency of, over my body. You know, my partner has agency over her, her body. My children have agencies over their body. I don't own their bodies, even though they're my children. I don't own them. And, and, and we have to learn how to do things like, for example, can I hug you? Right. Um, can sometimes my students, some of my kids, they like they like to be hugged and some of them don't. They're like, I don't need to do all that. Right. Same thing with my students. Right. There are students that can, can, hey, can I is it OK if I hug you? And there's some students who are like, yeah. And some students are like, you know what? I'm not a hug. I'm not a hugging type of person. So if we start talking about consent from that level. What ends up happening is when it does, because horseplay happens. Right. I joke you. I joke King Phoenix. He jokes me. You know, I joke him. He jokes me. 
He might, you know, push my shoulder. I might hit him on the shoulder. If 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 he doesn't want to do that, then he he has to say, hey, you know what, um, brother Dan, I'm not cool with that. It, you know, I don't I don't like that. I don't like horse playing. And then I should be like, you know what, my bad, King Phoenix. I apologize for that. It won't happen again. And that's how it should work. I know it sounds easier said than done, but that's how consent should work. That's how you know, like how some kids they don't like playing around. They're like, you know, we know some adults that don't like playing around, right? We know some adults who don't like to be joked on, right? We know some adults who we are cool. Yeah, you could clown, you could clown me all day. You could talk about my mama. You could talk about whatever. You know, I'm cool with it. I don't have a problem. I'm from the Bronx. I'm cool with it. But you know what? My my brother, my little brother is cool with it. He don't like it. You know, so I know I can play. I, I can't joke with him, but I can joke with my baby brother. You know, so we teach consent, and that's how that works. But we got to teach consent from the beginning. Um, so that way, when it gets to that point, and and King says to me, "Hey, hey, Dan, I don't like people touch me." If if we already have that relationship, then I'm gonna be like, you know what, King, my bad, I apologize. But yeah. if I'm not taught that, if I'm not taught consent at an early age, when King hits me, and I mean, when when I hit King and he says, "Hey, brother Dan, stop," I'm gonna say, "Well, King, you a punk? Da, 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 da. You, what you gonna do about it?" And that's what that's what happens. So we gotta teach consent from the beginning and respect. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I want to say this too because I think a lot of times it comes from a, a knowledge of your self-respect. Uh, when you have full self-respect, um, you you are quicker, or you uh, you're you're able to say what you don't like. Um, if, if you think about it, if you think about it, um, if when you when people who are not able to speak this because they feel that what they have to say is not of value but if you teach someone a very young that hey you are of value your body is of value what you say is of value who you are what you feel is of value what you feel is not more valuable than somebody else but it's valuable so what you, when you having that that process then you should be that person is more secure when you're uh, one, one thing I, I i found is people who like to uh enact violence on people that uh, uh or verbally and on physically they're actually usually less secure and they're trying to gain that superiority or push their superiority on somebody else so and and one of the things that I found is that whenever someone's doing that, they have a self-respect problem, they have a security problem, they have a lot of inner challenges. So one of the things we have to do with our children, everyone, we have to build them with self-respect. We have to build them with self-identity. With that, hey, they're uh, their core, whoever they are. If I'm a person that don't don't like to be hugged. It's okay if you're a person that love hugs. It's okay if I want to be a person that you know, like brother Dan said, "Hey, I joke you." It's okay, or not. It's okay. Why? Because that's me. That's who I am. I'm good at who I am. I, I'm great, at, and who I am is a value to this world, and I'm bringing value to the world. And when that happens, I think, well, of course, everything will will solve itself, right? Now. And because and I, I always talk about my wife and I always like seeing who she is now, I, she probably could not go into a, 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 a someone probably could not do violence to you like how there was before, because your eternal self-respect thermometer <laughs> is, is completely 
different from where it was at, right? And, and that's one of the things that we have to develop within our our community and things that we have to within still in our children that and that's where it's kind of funny. I want you to talk about what China, which is our daughter, when she heard that tape, that she she just went off the roof because her self respect. Like Dan, I taught my daughter, so she's like up here and like things. So she was she was like, "What are you talking about?" Um, I just went. Yeah, her her whole viewpoint on that, and when we asked her what she was taking away from it, she was like, "Mom, what are you talking about? I have to be submissive to a man. What what is she saying?" I'm like, "Well, China, that's not what she's saying because she was like, that's not what you're teaching me is be submissive. You're telling me that we're equal and people need." to come to the table with something. So what's she talking about? I'm not dimming my shine for nobody. And that's what we have to instill in our kids. It goes back to that self-confidence, their self-esteem, and them being okay with who they are. Once that is secure and locked in, then it's going to be able to have a more healthier relationship. I know a lot of times we talk a lot about unhealthy relationships, but the key to a healthy relationship is actually to whole individuals coming together that means that I am completely secure and complete in who I am knowing who I am where I'm going and what I want and I'm okay with that that's being whole and complete and then finding another person that's the same way that has that security that have that confidence that's whole and now you have two holes coming together there a lot of times the issue that we have and that's even with the young I call puppy love relationships is that you have two half people or two half kids that's experiencing difficulties at home. They're, 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 they're shine as them and they feel like, hey, this individual that I'm now uh, dating or going out with is making me a better person. They're making me complete. They're making me whole. So now you have two halves coming together thinking they're going to make each other whole. And only thing that happens is that we got a train wreck waiting to happen. Because once I pour my resources into this individual to make them whole, then I'm empty. <laughs> and I have nothing left to pour out, but they're still coming because they want more and vice versa. If they pour into me, then they're empty and I'm still looking for more for more. And so therefore, that's where you have that tug of war coming into play. So what's your feedback on that? No, I, I see that. Um, I see that again. The students I work with up to the, between the ages of sixteen and twenty-four, mm. and the demographic of students that I work for, work with, a lot of them come from abusive homes. You know, a lot of them come from violence. A lot of them come from. You know, I have students now that if when we close, when we we closed our doors because of COVID, a lot of them went right back into the trap. A lot of mm-hmm. them went right back into unstable homes. You know, so um, I saw a lot of them and. and and I know me and my me and my colleagues, we, we grapple with this because, you know, we automatically tell them as soon as they come through the door, hey, avoid relationships, avoid, avoid intimate relationships, avoid intimate relationships. And, and what I try to do is I try to say, um, you know, I can't stop you from doing it, but my door is open. Right. Like I want to talk. I want to talk with you. all I want, I want you all to share. And it, it works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't work. But I see it happen consistently where broken, broken people. Right get into these relationships for whatever reason it is and it all it's a train wreck just like you said it's a train wreck and it's it's and, and, I, and again i try to be open and i try to create a safe space um and, and it hurts to see to see these it really does it really hurts my heart consistently to see i had a student i had one of my mentees who who bit his girlfriend on the cheek you know and you know i didn't i, I didn't see that coming like again i knew it was gonna go bad but i just didn't see it going that route you know 
And and it, it hurts. It really does. So yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. Flame up, Queen Phoenix. Phoenix. Okay. Um, I do have a podcast. We're on break right now. It's called Where My Killer Tape At. If you pull up Dan Trezomi on Google, you're gonna find all my writings on Medium.com. Um, you'll find me on Twitter. Um, I am an educator. Um, I also teach capoeira. Um, and I also run um what's called um Fresh to Death, which is a men, a men emotional health group here in Ohio. Um, and hopefully by the end of the year, I can hope expand that around the country. Um, so that that's pretty much what I do there. Awesome, man. We appreciate you coming on with this, and we're coming into our last time. And uh, Queen, I know you've been you have your uh, tell us tell everyone about a little bit about the your movement, what you've been doing, and as, as we get going. Before yes. We uh, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Rise Movement is all about helping individuals rise. No matter what age, no matter your background, no matter where you're at, our whole vision is to meet you where you're at and build you up from there. Help you now unleash that power from within and transform into the Phoenix that you were meant to be so you can rise up. So that's our whole focus is helping you through the process. We have a book that's out, Six Ways to Conquer Your Fear because we know fear is the main thing that paralyzed people to hold them back from moving forward to achieving their goals and dreams. So check that out. It is on Amazon. You can also see us on Facebook with the uh, Phoenix Rise there, as well as we have Flaming Up now with Queen Phoenix Podcast. So please subscribe to that. We also have the YouTube channel with Phoenix Rise. And if you just need to reach out to talk, we not only help you get counseling, but we also help you coach you as well as give you mentorship through the process. So no matter where you're at in the midst of the storm, if you're not ready to leave, but you just need some motivation, you need someone to ignite that fire. I heard one person say you can put ashes on a flame, but underneath all those ashes is still a flame that's brewing. All it takes is some wind to come and blow on it. And guess what? It will ignite that flame. And once that flame flames up, Believe me, you can definitely become unstoppable and actually walk into your true gift and purpose. So that's what we're here for. And we just want you to flame up with Queen Phoenix. All right. So, hey, we're going into our last five minutes, Dan. We're going to be uh, trying to touch on this. But, you know, we want to just get back to that topic, uh, the main topic that we was touching on, which was, again, how is domestic violence and racism Connected, and again, a lot of people might never have thought they would be, or, or how those connections kind of flow together. But um, just kind of no, touching on, let's say again, no, no. So just kind of touching on that. Um, what's some solutions that we can move towards in general, like um, with, to help getting this situation to a better stand standpoint? Uh, the first thing I'm going to say is, um, like. Listen to women, because I think a lot of times what happens is when a woman is assaulted, the first thing that we say, and I see it all the time, what she do or what you do, right? What you do to get what you do to get assaulted, right? Um, and, and and we need to listen. We need to listen. Um, and and then the second thing we need to do is try to create safer spaces, right? Um, and that's the question that I ask myself when I leave my classroom every day. I always say, is is this a, a safer place than it was when I first walked in here in the morning? And a lot of times that answer is no, right? A lot of times I've realized that I didn't make it safer. Maybe something I did or maybe something I prevented from happening. So we need to really create more safer spaces for women. And then the last thing I say is um, 
brothers, we need to have more dialogue about this. You know what I'm saying? Because we're the ones, like like King Phoenix said earlier, we're the ones assaulting our women. So we need to have more open dialogue. And don't get me wrong, it's not an easy thing to do because what I'm learning is that a lot of us are assaulting our partners, you know, um, and, we, and our think, sisters. Right? Yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's, it's way crazy. more than you think. And and to hear people just say, hey, you know, it's like I said, it's I had a student do it and it, I'm hurt, you know, so it's not an easy discussion to have. So those are the three things that I have. That's awesome. Okay. Queen, what? And yeah, doing? and we also have to look at it because sometimes it's not even the loved ones that they abuse, it's their moms. Um, we do see where you have a grown son that's still living in the house with his mom, but she's afraid to kick him out because he's uh, abusing her. And these are other areas that we see. And one of the things that I always hear a lot of times is that, hey, I'm doing this to you because I love you. And I realize that a lot of them do it because they find out that the person that they love the most, they expect forgiveness. And it's like, okay, I can do this to her because I know that she'll forgive me or that he'll forgive me for doing it. Because you can take that same person and put them in an atmosphere where they know that a person is not going to tolerate it or not be so forgiving. And they will not act the same way. They won't do the same thing. So that goes back to let us know that if we actually stand up and put our foot down and say, hey, we're not going to tolerate it. It will help change things on that abuser end of things. But a lot of times they they go along with it or they do it because they expect to be forgiven for what they did. They expect no consequences to come behind it. And 90% of the time, us being in the victim role, we don't. We say, as soon as they apologize, we say, oh, okay. Or we give in to the justification that they give us. But when we have to be able to stand up and say, no, that doesn't justify you putting your hands on me. Or that did not justify this action. And we have to focus on the action. Don't let them change it to get you off track. Focus on the action that took place and let them know that action was incorrect. It's okay to be upset, but you can choose which action you're going to use to deal with your frustration or you being upset versus now putting your hands on me. And we have to be able to stand up and say that and vocalize that to our partner and to the children and letting them know, having that, that straight conversation with them. You don't have to meet fire with fire. But just in a, small, a, a nice, soft, subtle voice, letting them know, I'm not tolerating this. And what you did was incorrect. And consequences has to follow behind it. You know, you can't continue to stay because if you stay, they're going to look at it. Oh, she accepted it. She forgave me. And that's why the cycle continues on. So that's one way that we can start preventing this being able to let them know that we're not going to tolerate the action. Well, Dan, I want to say thank you for being on. We're about to wrap up here in a second here. Um, we appreciate you, bro, uh, for coming on again. And we definitely want, want to uh, have you back on our program. Look forward to talking to you again. Uh, so uh, we just say a Shay and see you in a moment. And um, for us, a Queen, just with the last minute here or so, can you just um, tell us just your, your final thoughts before we go. Yeah, so my final thoughts and all of this, actually listening to that podcast and hearing how these things go hand in hand and how it's embedded into us. I know my first thought was then how do we prevent it? At, at listening to that podcast kind of 
dampened me a little bit was like, well, are you trying to say that there's no way to prevent it if this is something that's rooted in, inside of us? But the more we talk about it and the more we start coming up with ways to now get this information and other ways that we can discipline our children, because again, it starts with the next generation now. We're who we are because of what we saw our parents do. Our parents are who they are from what they saw their parents do. But the question is, when is it going to be those parents? When is it going to be those adults that stand up and say enough is enough? That stands up and say, look, it's time for us to stop sweeping things underneath the rug. Let's have those serious conversations with our kids from domestic violence to the white supremacy to racism all of these things need to be talked about in a home. We can't no longer sweep it under the rug and turn a blind eye to it and thinking that it's going to just uh, just go away on its own. We have to continue the conversations. We have to keep talking about it. That's the only way we're going to be able to stop it and prevent it from moving further. Stay floss, 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 stay floss. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay conscious, stay fly. <laughs>